Women Make Waves is an NC Fit podcast. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Women Make Waves podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today, Laura, Ariel, and I are sitting down with CEO and founder of Working Against Gravity, Adi Kaju. For those of you that have never heard Adi's story, I am so excited for you guys to listen to this conversation because she shares how WAG got its start and the perseverance, resilience, and tenacity it took to get there. There were so many times that the word no could have kept Adi from going, and she pushed through it. We go beyond that. We talk about her new experience and launch into motherhood. We talk about navigating responsibility and sharing what that looks like in relationship, how to make time for sex and ritual and talks and hard conversations with your partner when you have a newborn. We also talk about the importance of meditation and journaling and how that has become Adi's biggest source of self-reflection and how she can show up honestly and authentically in life. There are so many nuggets of knowledge in this episode, and we cannot wait to share it with you. While you're listening, if you wouldn't mind heading over to the podcast app and leaving the show a five-star rating and review, we would be eternally grateful. We read everyone, we text them to each other, we laugh, we sing, we cry, we do all of the things. So please, please, please head on over and leave the show a five-star rating and review so we can continue to get awesome guests like Adi back on the show. Enjoy. Miss Adi in the house. How's it going? Hi, it's going pretty good. It's a little overcast here in Austin, Texas, but um, I'm having, it's Friday. I'm so glad. I didn't know that there was going to be so many women on this call, but it feels good to have, you know, so much feminine energy on a Friday morning. Heck yeah. (laughs) And a snowy Friday morning. (laughs) Um, A snowy one. So sitting here with Adi, Ariel, and Laura, we're super, super excited to talk to you about all of the different facets of your life, especially becoming a new mom and everything that WAG is doing. But first, we want to kind of springboard with our question that we ask each guest, and it's how are you making waves? It's like a, I generally am someone, like when you say, how are you making waves? It's like basically like, how are you being awesome in the world? So there's a little bit of like, am I being awesome? <laughs> you know? um, but I'll go for it anyways. Um, I am making waves by navigating the ugly, messy, challenging, and beautiful aspects of becoming a new mom while running a business that has many employees and figuring out how to wear all the hats at the same time and some days literally none of them (laughs) and I feel like I'm making waves by just setting an example that you you can figure it out even when it's really hard I think that's a really important fact to chat about too is that you were kind of uncertain you're like am I waking making waves and as women we tend to kind of like look at look at other people before us, but, you know, coming internally and seeing what we're doing is amazing. And just allowing yourself that, that moment to be like, yeah, I am making waves. Yeah. What a great way, you know, pass them back to me. (laughs) Hell yeah. So for listeners that aren't familiar with WAG or working against gravity, can you kind of fill people in on what it is and then how you got your start in creating it? Yeah. So it's had many lifetimes and it's its own 
I call it its own like being right now. Um, Working Against Gravity is an online nutrition coaching company and we do three things. We help people one-on-one achieve whatever nutrition goals that they're looking for. And then we also help people become nutrition coaches. And then we also help people build nutrition businesses. Um, So we have a software that people can run nutrition businesses through and then um, kind of like a digital mentorship. So um, if you really are passionate about nutrition and you want to start a side hustle or a new career, then we help people do that. Um, And I started in 2014 Lindsay's heard this story before. Um, One of my favorites. I was thinking about it this morning when I was showering and like in a warm shower had chills. So (laughs) it's one of my favorites. Um, I was actually going to be a kindergarten teacher. I was like my dream. I imagined myself being like, what's the weather? What's the weather? Like for the rest of my life. And um, now I can just do it with my eight month olds. Um, and I, in the final project of that master's degree, it was create like an e-portfolio, like a resume for applying for teaching jobs, but I wasn't going to be doing that. Uh, I was going to be taking a year off to try and do the best that I possibly could in my weightlifting career. I was competing as an Olympic style weightlifter and I had done the, the, the winter break the school winter break before that, that summer of 2014, I had done what, what I called like a traincation. I don't, I think like other people call that you go on a vacation to go train at a different gym. And at the time, uh, John North was like super popular in weightlifting on YouTube. So we, we drove from my ex-boyfriend and I, we drove from Toronto to North Carolina to just go to his gym and train with him. And that was like a whole adventure. And, uh, I remember his coach at the time was Travis Mash and uh, Travis came to the gym and told me at the time, he was like, you're, you have a lot of potential. You're really great. Come here during the summer. I'll give you a job. I'll like, you'll, you'll have a place to train. You'll be like, I'll be your coach. This will be amazing. And uh, I went back to Toronto and I, I emailed him and he actually didn't respond. Like he just totally ghosted me. And I was just like, you know what? He said I could go. <laughs> and so that summer, uh, we just went and showed up at Travis's gym. And I was like, what is he going to say? Like, we, worst case scenario, we'd go there. He seemed like a nice guy. He's probably just busy. And we showed up at the gym and we stayed there for the next four months. Um, and while I was there, I was moving from a 69 kilo class to the 63. And I got stronger at the same time, which in 2014, there was like a couple narratives in, in weightlifting and CrossFit where it was like, either I don't care what I look like as long as I perform. So it was like, I'm gaining weight because I'm doing CrossFit. Like I, that's why I'm gaining weight. But there was a lot of people where like you actually were gaining weight because you're just eating a lot more and you're, you're eating more than you were before and you're gaining body fat, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but they weren't necessarily happy with the way they were feeling in their bodies. And they were just justifying it with being like, well, as long as I perform in the gym, it doesn't matter. And I just didn't resonate with that. I was like, I want to also feel amazing in my skin and perform in the gym. And then there was also this, like, you got to get bigger to get stronger. You don't lose weight and get stronger. So the fact that I like lost weight and got stronger and was feeling confident in the way that my body looked and was performing well was like very novel combination of things at the time. So I think it was a mixture of just like good timing and uh, like being really diligent about my nutrition 
And so people started asking me for help and that just kind of went, and now we're almost seven years later. And it's kind of just like literally taken over my entire life. <laughs> Love that. I don't want to skip over the fact that you like didn't let the fact that he did not answer your email stop you from going and putting yourself out there. Because that's something I feel like comes up so often for us, right? Like we wait for the permission. We wait for someone to say like, okay, here's the way. Instead of taking it as like, that doesn't actually mean anything. The fact that he didn't answer didn't mean that you weren't like worthy or good enough to go train there. You know, you took it as, oh, he's busy. So I'm going to go anyway. And I'm going to show up because that's what's lighting me up. That's what sets my soul on fire. And I think that is such a powerful message because how often have we kind of let things go by the wayside just because we didn't get that permission? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I actually do this a lot in my life right now. There's a bunch of people who, unless they close the loop, you know, unless he had responded and was like, actually, I take it back. You can't come. But the, he'd never closed the loop. Like the loop was open where mm -hmm. he had said that I could come. So I have a couple examples where um, I like reach out to a couple, so a couple businesses where I'm like, Hey, I would love to work together. Hey, I would love to work together. And I've actually gotten on phone calls with these people and we've talked about working together and they're like, I'll get back to you in a couple weeks. And they never close the loop. Like they just don't close the loop. So every few months I have it on my calendar to send them another ping and another ping. And for some of them, it's been literally years, but they've never closed the loop. So I'm like one day, maybe they'll just be so impressed by my persistence or they're annoyed by me, but they never like, they could just say, Hey, I'm actually not interested. You can stop emailing me now. And they're not mm. saying that. So I feel like the opportunity is still there. <laughs> Heck yeah. I love that. The opportunity is always there. Cause like you said, like if the loop's not closed, then it does, it's never a no until you make it either mean a no or until it actually is a no. Totally. So I love that. Just to piggyback on what you're saying, Ariel, I mean, I think it's super important to recognize that like no one else is going to write your narrative for you. And you're out there just putting yourself out there and writing your own story. Um, you know, and, and I kind of want to talk about what were the feelings that you went through when you put yourself out there that first time going to that gym with, with kind of, no, no thought process, no, no idea of what was going to happen. Were you nervous? Were you excited? Was it a mixture? Because I think a lot of those really strong emotions is what ho holds a lot of people back. So maybe you yeah. can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think it, I would feel different now versus then. I was 24 years old and I think I was just fresh out of school and I had very little responsibilities and, you know, it'd be different now if I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a family and I have a house and I have all these responsibilities. So I think like as the responsibilities stack up, your excuses start to stack up too, where you're like, oh, I can't do that because I have to take care of my family or I can't do that because X, Y, Z. And I try to um, not let those stop me from doing things. Um, but I definitely had some nerves and I also do this. I, 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 I'm, whether this is a good thing, this might be a bad thing, but I go through like worst case scenario often. So like example, I imagine my husband, Michael dying very frequently <laughs> and it's like a weird thing. I just like imagine like what would happen if he died and I go through like the motions of what would I do? Like, what is he responsible for slash like 
how sad I would be. And then I'm so grateful for him because he's not dead. So I'm just like so grateful at the end. And I end up being like, I would be actually okay. Like I would be okay. And so I, in that scenario, I walked through the worst case. Okay. I have X amount of money in my bank account. I'm going to drive over there. Worst case scenario, we show up at the gym. He says we can't train. We drive back. So it's like, that's actually the worst case scenario. And is that really that bad? Um, no, like it's not really that bad. And I, I do that with lots of things. Like if I email this person and I annoy them, like I just, what's the worst case scenario? They don't end up working with me. But if I didn't email them, they're not going to work with me anyways. So it's like, I just walk through like, what is the worst case scenario? And then most of the time I end up at worst case scenario. Like not only is it not as bad when I'm really thinking about it, because I can spin myself out on what am I afraid of? And I haven't actually defined what it is I'm afraid of. And then I define it. I'm like, it's either not that bad or there's an easy way to get back to where I started. And mm. it's not like I'm, I remind myself, oh, I'm super capable of recovering from any of these things. That's an incredible way of just looking fear in the face and just going through it and getting past it. That's really awesome. Yeah. yeah I think a lot of people a lot of us have to... Sorry, go ahead. Go for it, Adi. Um, I was talking to a friend last night where she's talking about, they were like, a lot of people say, she's talking about having babies and the sentiment was there's never a perfect time to have a baby. And I think I sometimes like don't totally resonate with there's never a perfect time. I flip it and I'm like, it's always the perfect time because that's the time that it happened. And maybe you can't see why it's perfect right now, but um, like years from now, even if it's a really challenging thing, like it was the perfect time for that thing not to happen that you wanted to happen because it led to something down the line. So I'm like, it's the perfect time because it is the time that it had. Like it is the perfect time all the time. I love that. I use that with my clients a lot um, in my practice because I'm a nutritionist and mindset coach. And one of the big things is like, you know, working through times that are really stressful or times that are overwhelming and looking at it instead of it being like, why is this happening to me? Like the, why is it happening for me? Right? Like, why is this perfect right now? What is the um, something, the message, the lesson that I can get from this situation. And sometimes it's really shitty and it sucks. Um, so you don't want to find that lesson and you're not ready to find it. And looking back, you know, you can only connect the dots looking backwards. So how is it perfect looking back at whatever those lessons were? And I think that's, what's so powerful about your story is like all of these things may have seemed weird or like maybe things that weren't necessarily things that you were really excited about. Um, you were more nervous or scared or, um, frustrated by in your past. And now looking back at them, you see how perfectly everything lined up to get you to where you are. And that's so, so incredible. Yeah. That's a good lesson. I like that you teach. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Kind of um, into your bit about it's never the right time to have a kid. And you're like, actually, <laughs> I just had one eight months ago. How has it been transitioning into being a new mom? Yeah, it's been a trip. Having a kid is a trip. It's like, it has been so kind of like how um, Laura was saying, like, you get to write your own story. And before having a kid, I don't think there's many things in life that people try and write your story for you, other than ha like having being a mom 
or becoming parents. They're like, oh, you're never going to sleep again. You're never going to have sex again. Say goodbye to date night. Traveling's going to be the worst thing ever. Oh, just like, and then like, wait till they crawl. It's going to like, just, there's all of these things that people have been telling me my whole life of how this is going to go. And I'm just like, no, <laughs> no. Like I want it to go however it's supposed to go for me. And I don't want to have like already these expectations or beliefs or stories as to like, this is, what if it doesn't go that way? And what if, you know, I can still have an amazing sex life. And what if we can still have date night every single week? And what if it's not true for me? Um, so it's been a real exercise in like, can I, can I stay in control of like my own narrative and write my own story and keep a positive attitude no matter what challenges come up? Because like, we're definitely not immune to challenge and difficulty. Nobody is like life is hard and challenging, no matter who you are and no matter what life you've chosen. Um, so it's been definitely had like hard and challenging moments. And I've been like, so they like the growth that's come from the difficulty and challenge has been so rewarding for like me on a personal level, for my relationship, for my friendships, my community. Um, I like to, I like to like invite the challenge. Like it, it, you want things to be hard, you know, like you want friendships to be hard because if it's just easy all the time, that probably means you're like not reaching a level of depth that is where the challenge is. Like once you get deep enough with somebody, you start reaching boundaries or you're like, Oh wait, you, you don't think the same as me. Oh wait, like my thoughts are not so loud that you can actually hear them. So you couldn't hear what I was thinking and you did oh damn like you have these moments and then through the challenge you get to still be friends on the other side and that builds like a level of trust that you didn't have before it's like oh i can trust that even when hard things happen you're still going to be there and we're still going to be able to get through it and love each other um having a kid has been like that to me like times a million like can our marriage build trust through the challenges can my friends show like can i show up for my friends can they show up for me um, and he's just like the most fun, cute thing ever. <laughs> what is, um, so with this challenge, obviously there's, there's things that you've learned. There's things that you've maybe put into practice, um, in your own life. Can you share some insight kind of into maybe some of the challenges and how you've overcome those things? Because I think that's where we get kind of stuck, right? Like we say it's going to be great because we're in the middle of this challenge and like, this is going to be great on the other side. And I don't know how the hell I'm going to deal with it. Like, I don't know how I'm getting through it. So how did you get through it? Yeah. Um, I feel like really grateful that I happened to be in a marriage where we've been working with a relationship coach since three months into our relationship. So we have like third party objective support that we can go to through challenge where it's like, this is the first time in our, like one challenge, the biggest challenge for sure by far has been navigating responsibility sharing. Like mm -hmm. we, we're not in a situation where I don't work and I'm a hundred percent the primary parent. And even if I was, there still would have to be some sharing of responsibilities where it's like, 
if I was a hundred percent the primary parent and not working, there's like no break. Like for me, there's no break, no time off. Like I'm waking up in the night. I'm like thinking about his needs all the time. Like there just has to be in my situation. And like what, like I just need support and they need to feel supported and helped. And like, so navigating this like whole new layer of responsibilities that we have when before we had this like neatly divided, you take care of the trash and I take care of this and we had it all neatly divided and now there's like this new layer that we have to like renegotiate who takes care of what um along with the fact that he changes quickly so we like negotiated the responsibilities and then he changes and now they have to like be renegotiated so that has been really really challenging for sure and um having it's the first time ever where I actually don't think Michael will ever understand my perspective. And I don't think I can ever understand his perspective. Like there's just, it is impossible. He will never know what it's like to literally feed someone from your body. And they're legitimately sucking the life out of you. Like it's just a level of fatigue and exhaustion. That's just not, I can't explain it to him. Like it just doesn't feel like doing a workout and feeling tired or going to work. And it doesn't feel like that. So a lot of communicating a lot of just for my challenge is not I'm like sleep deprived I'm tired I'm sometimes feeling unappreciated or I'm feeling like um, I'm feeling like we're not meeting at the same page and instead of lashing out just being like hey I'm feeling a lot of things right now I don't even know what it is I'm feeling it's feeling like it's directed at you and I want to take it out on you but can you like can we just like talk about it? Um, we have also a like ritual where we check in on our relationship. So that's like once a week we sit for at least an hour and we just lay everything out on the table. And I think that has created like a, con a container where it's like, okay, if in the moment I could either like lash out in this moment or I could just wait, like we're going to have this check-in on Sunday. I can just bring it up on Sunday in a space where we've committed to not getting defensive hearing hard things and, and talking about it. So it like, it, I know that I'm going to get this like opportunity to express myself. That's been really, really helpful. Like being able to just know that we get an opportunity to check in outside resources has been really helpful. Like objective people to, to be like a D you're being so unreasonable and just like, I'm keeping track of my own things. I'm not keeping track of his things. So someone like a third party just expressing to me like, Hey, like, he's like, he's doing a great job. You should appreciate him too. Um, and then community and friends, like if we didn't have our friends and community here, I think we would be in big trouble because we don't have family here either. So I think that is a big difference. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Are, do you have like, um, when you're in your container, do you have a set of questions or things that you ask each other? Or is it more just like, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. Tell me how you're feeling. Yeah, I actually wrote an entire blog article from start to finish that it, like outlines this whole thing. It's I have a blog called thecazfamily.com and there's um, how we do our relationship check-in, but it's it's we have like a whole structure to it. At the it starts with um, looking at our schedule and doing that. It starts uh, then we go into talking about date night. Like we make sure we have a date night every Tuesday. We just talk about what it's going to be. Then we talk about sex, like 
when are we going to have sex? Is there anything like new we want to do with sex? Anything like we want, how are we going to manage that with having a baby? Like just make sure that it's going to happen because if we don't talk about it, it might not happen. And it's super important for us. Um, and then we, we, the most important piece, like we can't do the whole thing. The most important piece for sure is we ask each other, is there anything unsaid? So that's like, and each person has to take it very seriously. So if I say to Michael, is there anything unsaid? He actually pauses and usually like searches his, through his whole body. He's like, is there anything from the smallest little things? Like he, we were brushing our teeth and I leave the room and I don't close the door behind me. I just like leave the door open. And he's like, it's really annoying when you do that. Like from the littlest things to really big things, like, you know, relationships with our in-laws or how we want to navigate those types of things, like really challenging things. And we don't sweep anything under the rug. So we make sure that everything comes out in that conversation and we get an opportunity to talk about it in a safe way. Um, and then we end with a praise for ourselves and a praise for the other person, which is my favorite. Love that. <laughs> I feel like Lindsay talks about that a lot. We've had this conversation before, Lindsay, about like scheduling time for sex and really like making it part of your weekly life because it's true like if you don't talk about it if you don't make the time for it it's not going to happen just naturally it's very very unlikely that you will continue to have um, consistent good sex with your partner if you're not scheduling it in some way shape or form yeah especially in longer term relationships I think there was this story that was said to me it's like you should want to just spontaneously jump your partner's bones all the time and I'm like I just I don't know if you guys feel that, but I just don't <laughs> like it just, I, and then at the same time, like I'm responsible for my own turn on, like he's not responsible for it. And if I take res like responsibility for turning myself on, then our sex life is just better. And I swear, like, I don't know how you guys feel. I swear orgasms are medicine. Like they're just medicine for life. They just can cure lots of things. And yeah, when we sit and have, when we know we're going to talk about it weekly, we know we're like, okay, we not only make sure we have it at least two times a week. Um, I think the best way to have more sex is to have sex, like just keep having sex. And then it reminds you like, oh yeah, you know, I sometimes look at Michael, I'm like the way he looks at me annoys me. Like, I just want to everything about you. And I don't even know what it is, but don't even look at me. Don't touch me. And then we have sex and I'm like, I don't even know what was I even upset about. Like, I forget. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I love you. This is like, oh yeah, remember? <laughs> yeah, in um the book Come As You Are. I don't know if you guys have read that or not, but she talks about accelerators and brakes. Um, and a lot of times we're not even aware of what those are. Mm -hmm. And especially in like partnership and coupleship. Um or whatever your relationship dynamic looks like, um, we're not super vocal about those. Like you were saying, we think that we're just supposed to show up for sex and our partner is supposed to know how to turn us on. Or like, if I'm planning for sex, maybe I'm going to eat a lighter lunch so that I feel good in my body or whatever it is, right? We have all these different things. And the more, when we talk about like those accelerators and breaks and having a weekly check-in, like you're talking about, it's like, Hey, like, for me, when I come home at work at night, an accelerator for me is like 30 minutes of quiet time. And mm -hmm. a big break for me is when there's dishes in the sink. Like, can we find somewhere? Like, can you help me out with that? Or like, 
when I see you laying on the couch in your sweatpants all day, it's not the biggest accelerator for me, right? And to be able to have these open conversations, because even the littlest things, you're like, wait, like, I didn't know I was actively turning you off or turning you on. And so you get to learn this new language with your partner and this new dance with them. And I love the idea of having a check-in weekly that you can bring those things into. Yeah, I like that a lot. I need to read this book, Come As You Are. Come As You Are. It's one of my faves. I tell my clients to read it all the time. (laughs) So one of the biggest things about this is like in order to bring this information to your partner, in order to have this check-in, you have to be really self-aware of like how you're feeling. Have you had, like what, what are your strategies for like looking inwards? Do you have like specific time that you spend for yourself to do this? How, like, what does that look like for you? When you say to do this, are you talking about just like kind of checking in with myself Yeah. Checking in with yourself, checking in with your partner, because it takes a lot of um, awareness, right? To be able to understand how you're feeling. A lot of people go straight to being reactive towards things. Like when you were saying, like, I just look at him and I get annoyed and I don't know why I'm annoyed. Instead of taking it a step back and saying like, okay, this is may not be a real feeling. I may just be like tired, overwhelmed, whatever it is. Having that awareness to stop and say like, okay, is this really how I feel right now? Or is something else happening? Yeah, this is, this is a, for, for me, who is a naturally, I come from a family where our natural volume is like literally domestic violence in other people's houses. It's just so loud. And I didn't realize how loud we were until I went into other people's homes, or I had a boyfriend who came over and he's like, is everyone mad? And I'm like, no, everyone's so happy. And they're like, why is everyone screaming? I'm like, oh, this is just how we are. Um, and it's, it's been a really, really long process. And I, this might not be like the best answer in the world, but meditation has been like a huge, huge, I hated it at the beginning. Michael would be like, Hey, can you just do like five minutes a day? And, um, Meditation and journaling for self-reflection has been like life-changing. Meditation is so subtle, the changes. It's like so, it's not like you do a workout and at the end of the workout, you're like, I for sure worked my muscles. Sometimes at the end of a meditation, I'm like, I think I literally just wasted 10 minutes of my life. And I was, the whole time I was thinking about all the things I have to do. Like I, there was zero, they're like, oh, quiet your mind, be in the body. I'm like, none of that. For the whole 10 minutes, I was in my head and I was thinking about all the things I have to do. But just going back to sitting and the practice of like getting back and even if I spent like three breaths in my body versus in my head, it's better. And it gives me like space from my thoughts. And then journaling, like free form journaling, I often go and just write what whatever comes out. And it sometimes mm-hmm. starts with, I have no idea what I'm going to write right now, but I'm going to keep writing. And I write that. And then I try and fill three pages. And then at the end of it, I realized over the week, I've been writing about the same topics. And I'm like, oh, that must be something that's coming up in my own. That's like, must be something that's bothering me. Otherwise it wouldn't come up so often. Um, So those things have really helped me just realize. Um, And then through meditation, I've, I've been able to develop 
some level of skill of like, oh, I have like tension in my chest. And instead of just looking for where I can unload that energy, I'm like, oh, it's like, what, where is that coming from? Like pausing for a second, just like pause, just pause. Um, it's taken me six years to even get a little bit better at it. So this is for sure for me, a lifetime practice because I'm so, I'm so, uh, uh, I'm a very like high reactive person. I'm loud. I'm like quick. I want my natural instinct when I'm upset is to like hurt the other person. I want to like say something that hurts you because I'm feeling hurt. And I just want to like, I want to cause more pain because I'm feeling pain. Um, and so it's a practice. And then in our challenges, both Michael and I have made a commitment in our relationship as well as in our life, where whenever a challenging scenario comes up, the first place I always have to look is like, where did I contribute to this situation? Mm, I love that. And that's like in friendship or work or relationship. It's like, it, you, it could be so, actually like, I can't see anywhere that I'm accountable for this. And somewhere in there, like whether it was the way that you approach the situation, your tone of voice, the t like something in there I'm accountable for. And just the practice of like having to see what I contributed first, even if that person also has something to be accountable for, the energy of I'm looking to, at myself first usually softens the other person. And it's mm -hmm. usually like, hey, I know we're going through like a hard time right now and this is what I want to take accountability for. Usually that person's like, wow, thanks for saying that. And they take accountability for their piece. Um, I really try and just always keep my side of the street clean. I think that that's so important to touch on both of those things. One, because I think that meditation and mindfulness, especially as it becomes, you know, an evidence-proved practice, it's thrown out there so easy by coaches and practitioners and therapists. It's like, you need to practice mindfulness and it is so hard. It's so hard. Like exactly like you were saying, I can't tell you how many times I sit down with the intention of meditating in my first experience, I couldn't get out of my own head enough to be like, Lindsay, what if your roommate walks in? Like you're sitting on the floor breathing, you, you weirdo, are you doing it right? And I totally spun out and then the bell went off and I, in that moment, in that bell came back to my body and back to my breath. And like, I think of it, it was explained to me as reps. Like in that 10 minutes, I got one rep because I came back to my breath when the bell went off. And just like when we're working out, just like any other muscle, the more time I can spend under tension, the more reps I can develop. If it's like you said, I got three good breaths in this 10 minute session that starts to build over time. And I know for me, it was, it's funny that we're sitting here with, with you. Cause it was the same with nutrition. Like I didn't know I was feeling bad because of the foods I was eating until I felt better. Like I didn't know that my negative self-talk and these thoughts that were going through my head all the time were making me feel the way they made me feel until I had a regular mindfulness practice that made me feel better. But it takes time to even get to that place of awareness. Yeah, it's really hard because it's not instant. It's the opposite of instant gratification. It's like you meditate for a month, five minutes a day straight, and all of a sudden a difficult, challenging scenario pops up and you notice it differently. 
where usually it would just like put you into anxiety and make you lash out. You're like, huh, there's like a little, like maybe 10 seconds of space in between the situation happening and your reaction and you see the reaction and you're like, I think I'm going to choose to react that way instead. And that's when you, that's when the meditation is working, but they don't happen right after each other. So mm -hmm. people, a lot of people, it's really easy to discount it. It's super easy. And I, every part of me didn't want it actually to be true and work. I wanted to just, I didn't want to waste my time meditating, but um, it's been like one of the most life-changing things. And I truly believe if there's a purpose to life or a purpose for all of us to be here, it is to like actually live and to be present and to be here instead of up here all the time. And meditation has allowed me to like live more fully. Like I get to actually be here in the moment instead of just wrapped up somewhere in some story that like my mind comes up with some such ridiculous story. Sometimes have you ever been sitting, you're like in the car and you're like, Oh my God, I could totally just like run my car into that person. <laughs> I'm so glad that you said that because that's literally me all the time. I'll be driving and be like, Oh my God, this is literally worst case scenario right now. There's a car with two by fours that's going to go through my windshield. And I say them all the time. And I have to, like, it's so funny that you say it too, because I feel like so many of us have that like conversation in our heads of like, Oh my God, this is going to be, this is how I die. And we don't stop and say like, okay, let's, let's take it back a notch, like come back in. Where are we going with this? Um, but it's so funny that you said that because I literally was just thinking it in my head. As soon as you said driving, I was like two by fours. Yeah. I just, I think a lot of weird things. It's like, okay, do I want to spend time in these? Sometimes I'm at the table and I'm like, wouldn't it be crazy if I just like chopped my hand off and it was just, it was just off. Like, I wonder like how long it would take me to just assess how that, you know, like just it's gone and how quickly I could just be like, boom. And it's just like a weird thought. Like your brain just does such weird things. It's like, do we really want to spend all of our time up here in these weird thoughts that happen or like actually living like in with the people in front of us with the thing, like on this podcast right now with you guys. Um, yeah, we're weird creatures. <laughs> I think that's such an interesting point to touch on and something that I'm, I'm trying to work on in my own life, especially through the lens of fitness is coming out of my mind when things get tough and just focusing on my body, focusing on the movement. And I think something that, you know, everyone at NC Fit and our, our brand does very well is marrying, you know, fitness isn't just in the gym. It, it's outside. It's your nutrition. It's your mind. It's your soul. It's all of these different areas and facets of your life that allow you to show up for other people, um, you know, in different areas of your life. And Adia, I'd be really um, interested, and I'm sure our listeners would be interested too, if this is kind of new to you, you know, what are some tips you would have for people to, to make sure you're prioritizing moving your body, eating well, getting into a meditation practice, kind of taking those first steps to to not only put a hundred percent, you know, in your workouts every day, but also adding effort into those other areas. Yeah. My, the best thing I think is to make the barrier for entry as low as humanly possible. I feel like it's really easy to, especially when you're an adult, we, we, we kind of know what it's like to be, feels like to be good at things and we like being good at things. So we don't actually want to feel the discomfort of not being good at something where 
in order to get good at something, you have to go through a period of time where you're not good at it. So no matter, there's no way to avoid it. Like there's just no way. Um, so I feel like we assume like, oh, I can just meditate for 10 minutes every single day for the next 60 days and I can eat perfect and I can go to the gym. But it's like, what is one thing that's like, you think about it and you're like, oh, of course I could do that. Like I'll never break that commitment and pick that one, whether it's, you know, take four breaths in the morning and do that every single day and just see how, like, because once you become committed to just one small thing, or I, my commitment for a long time after I stopped competing in, in sports was just to move my body for 30 minutes a day. And for me, I classified movement as it could be walking the dog, it could be yoga, it could be just like, if I didn't move my body for 30 minutes a day, it literally meant I sat, sat all day. Like I just went from sitting here to sitting there to sitting there. So for 30 minutes a day, I'm like, of course I can move for 30 minutes a day. However, it actually ends up being hard some days. And it's like, it's hard for me to just go for a walk. And I didn't even have to do it together. Like I could accumulate 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, 10 minutes there. And when you become disciplined in one area, you automatically have to be disciplined in everything around it. So it's just focusing on the one thing, like in order for me to get 30 minutes a day, I had to take a break and I had to make sure that I got what I needed to do done so that I could take the break. And then I had to make sure that like I was in a place where I could do the thing, like the movement or like there's just things around it, even like making your bed in the morning. Okay. I've committed to making my bed in the morning. I therefore have to wake up with enough time to make my bed and get to where I need to go then I should go to sleep with enough time to get the sleep that I want like everything around it starts to become more disciplined so just like picking the lowest barrier possible and for most people I have met very few people there are some people that don't fit into this category but I would assume that you're not one of these people um, accountability is just the most powerful thing in the entire world whether it's a friend who's doing it with you, or you give a friend permission to hold you accountable, you, you give someone permission to check in on you, you get a coach, you join a gym, you tell somebody like, hey, I'm making this commitment, and not like I want to achieve this goal, but more like I'm making this commitment and this is the kind of person I wanna be. Um, that accountability is like so powerful. We are so good at letting ourselves down and so, I hate letting other people down. If someone else is kind of going to check in on me, I'm way more likely to actually do what it is that I want to do. Um, yeah. And it could be as small as like, put your running shoes on every day. Don't even work out. Like just put your running shoes on. You're so much more likely to actually do something in your running shoes. That's requires movement. It's like a step in the right direction. And it seems silly, but I bet you if you do it, it something will happen. <laughs> That's a great point. I mean, those small daily habits, they build into amazing things as long as you remain consistent. And I think that's kind of a spot where a lot of people get stuck is instead of saying, I'm going to put my running shoes on and run for 10 minutes today. It's like, I'm going to run a marathon in four months. And it's almost like you're setting yourself up a lot of times for failure and for those thought processes to be like, I didn't run today. I'm not going to do it. And then that kind of just like, cycles and sends you down a bad path so um i think that i think that's great advice to be able to start smaller and build 
you're actually completely breaking trust with yourself. Like imagine you, you, the, your, your friend, you're a friend, you're broken up into two people. You're like, I promised myself I'm going to run this marathon. And then I keep saying I'm going to run and then I don't. And imagine your friend keeps saying they're going to do something for you and they don't. Eventually you don't trust that friend anymore. And now you're literally doing that with yourself. So you then eventually get to this place where it's like, I can't even trust my own word. I ha- don't have any integrity with myself and I can't trust these promises that I'm going to make. Um, yeah, I sat on an airplane one time and I was sitting beside this guy who was overweight and he was unhappy with being overweight. He just like struck up a conversation with me like, hey, you look like you're into fitness. And I was like, yeah, I am. And he's like, oh, can't work out unless I run a mile. And I was like, I would never want to run a mile. <laughs> like I'm into fitness and I hate running a mile. If the only way I could work out was if I ran a mile, I would never work out. Like I just wouldn't, it would never happen where I bet you if, if he took the stairs at work instead of the elevator, like that would be the one habit that could transform into something much bigger. But we just don't believe big things can happen from such small things. I remember reading, uh, I think it was a blog that you wrote years and years ago, and I seriously think about it all the time. And you wrote about, I know, <laughs> um, it ties into this really well, the power of language and how often we make an excuse of like, I don't have time for this or yeah, I was going to do this, but, um, and changing that to, it's not a priority and seeing how differently that lands. Where did you come up with that practice and do you still use it today? So there's this book called the big leap by Gay Hendricks. Um, and he talks about how you're the keeper of time. And there actually, there is not this like amount of time that you are taking from. You are creating time. So if it's like, oh, I just don't have enough time to play with my kids. And then it's your kid keeps coming up to you. This is the example he used in the book, I'm pretty sure. And kids keeps coming up to you and you're like, oh, I just don't have time to play right now. I have to do my work. If your kid comes up to you with a broken arm, what do you now do? Like now you all of a sudden have time. Like, where did that time all of a sudden come from? Like, it just came from, like, of course you're going to stop working and you're going to go go deal with this broken arm, like 100%. You're just like, all of a sudden, time just got invented. Um, and that example to me was, like, really, really powerful of, like, I actually am the keeper of time and I can create time for all the things that not, you can't, you can't do everything. Like you absolutely cannot do everything. I can't, you know, learn to play the piano and learn to speak Spanish fluently and be a great mom and a great, like, but the things that there are a few things that are really, really important to you and are going to have the biggest impact on your overall well-being. You have enough time for those things. Um, and having a kid honestly helped me realize how much time I was wasting. And I, everyone would define me as someone who has an incredibly high work capacity and I still, after having a baby, I was like, wow, I was wasting so much time, like so much time doing very stupid things. Like, you know, multiple tab syndrome, you have like eight mm-hmm. tabs open in your browser. And then you see, you see, you know, Facebook is open and you're doing an email and then you see the number change on the little, the little thing and you start twitching. You're like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you got <a> <laughs> I gotta check it. I'm not gonna respond to it, but I just, I just want to see. I just want to see who it is. Um, I was wasting a lot of time. 
I feel like that's such a common problem that people run into is this idea that like, well, I don't have enough time. And I love the idea of switching it to like, it's just not a priority because then like it comes all full circle, right? Like you're taking back responsibility for not making the time. And it's true. Sometimes you're not going to have all of the time in the world to do all of the things. And what out of those things can you choose to be your priority things? And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck is same thing with this barrier. Like we make barriers so high that we try and make our priorities so vast that we can't simply start with one, the small thing, because we've just made it too hard for ourselves. It's kind of like releasing that expectation that it has to look or feel a specific way just because like you think that's what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's, it's like, sounds like freedom to me when you take yeah. out all the things you want to prioritize and you just pick the ones that you actually can prioritize and you for now, like let go of the ones you can't to me. Like I immediately feel lighter. I immediately feel like that's actually freedom. I don't have to keep storing this thing in my head that I am not making the time to do or, or focus on. I can actually just let go of it for now and then take all of that energy that I was wasting over there and put it on the things that I am choosing right now. Um, cause I do think it's true. Like we just actually legitimately don't have time to do every single thing in the world. Um, but there are select things that really dramatically improve your life and you can live such an amazing life in any circumstance. Adi, this has been so awesome. And I want to just keep picking your brain about all of these different hacks and tips and tricks that you have. So we'll definitely have to have you back on the show, but if people want to get a hold of you, they want to get involved with WAG and anything in between, where can they find you? Um, you can find us at workingagainstgravity.com or at workingagainstgravity on social medias of all Facebook and Instagram. Um, I am personally actually off of social media right now. Done. It's deleted off my phone. Um, I, it was, I was an addict, guys. I am a D cashew and I was an Instagram addict. <laughs> and, um, so I... I am off of social media, but I have a blog called thecadsfamily.com to like still be able to express myself um, in a space that does not um, all of a sudden wind me up watching someone ice a cake. And I'm like, why am I watching a video of somebody icing a cake? I don't get it. So thecadsfamily.com. Awesome, Adi. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you.